You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. This is episode number 29 of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 320th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 25th, 2017. I'm Jared Morris, your host for Assembly Call Radio, where each week we break down the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. And once the season starts, you can catch us immediately after every IU basketball game on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Watch us live at assemblycall.com. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to assemblycall.com slash YouTube. And if you can't catch one of our shows live, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts and you will find us. All right. Well, let's begin how we always begin, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment this week is Grant Galon asking for uh, and being granted his unconditional release from Indiana. Uh, And this is the banner moment because I think in a lot of ways it's in the best interests of both parties. You know, Grant probably does not have the requisite combination of skill and athletic ability to compete at the highest levels of college basketball. Plus, the coach who believed in him enough to give him a scholarship when he wasn't even on the recruiting radar and who ostensibly had the vision for how he could overcome his limitations is gone. So Grant moving on opens up a scholarship for Archie Miller to use on a player who better fits Archie's vision for how Indiana is going to play and compete for its next championship. And for these same reasons, I think moving on is in Grant's best interest. He's a skilled basketball player who can really shoot it, obviously. So he will undoubtedly carve out a successful career playing big minutes at a lower level of college basketball. And if he values playing time over simply being a member of the Indiana program, then he will be able to find it elsewhere and more completely develop his game. And the reality is that sometimes a player moving on isn't always in the best interests of the player and team, but in this case, I think it is. So Grant Galon deciding to move on is this week's Hoosier Proud banner moment and a topic that we will discuss in more depth moving forward here on the Assembly Call. And now let me introduce my esteemed co-host to my left, ladies and gentlemen. We have the triumphant president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club who can now rest easy that Robert will indeed be back for his senior season. It is confirmed. And he is also, of course, a world-renowned bracketologist. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, since we basically treated it last week as if Robert Johnson was going to be back, I can't uh, can't go back to the well on that one. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because one of the things... You know, when we were you know, nearing the end of the Korean era, we spent a lot of time trying to talk about was, you know, what I use identity really was as a program. And one of the things that we consistently came back to uh, was really the level of academics and, and those kinds of things that uh, really the Tom Korean era uh, has been praised for in terms of how they perform from an APR standpoint. But just, you know, the 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 kinds of. Uh, you know, the kinds of things that we heard about that. And the person who was uh, one of the, the people who was really at the forefront of that was, um, you know, Marnie used to be Marnie Mooney. Now, I believe it's Marnie Mounier. 
if my high school French is not failing me, uh, in, in reading this. And, uh, and this week, uh, or late, you know, or late last week, you know, she made a post on Instagram that, uh, she was moving and relocating with her husband to Mexico, Indiana. Uh, as we learned before we got started today, I thought it just was Mexico. And, uh, in the process learned that Mexico, Indiana is close to, uh, Logansport where I was born. So obviously exciting news for everyone involved there, but, you know, just want to, um, you know, in the off season, you know, these things can easily go unnoticed, but I think, you know, what she did for the program academically, uh, you know, deserves a lot of credit. Uh, not, not one person went through their senior day without talking about how important she was, uh, in, in helping them through, uh, school academically. And I think she deserves a, a big kudos, a big hat tip from, from all IU fans. And it's not often that, that somebody in that capacity with a program, uh, become somebody that most people uh, that that follow the program closely know about. Um, so I think that's a testament to the work that she did. That people would you know quick you know often mention you know when she was on TV and different things like that. And uh, you know I, I think that speaks to kind of IU's craziness as a program that she has over three thousand Twitter Twitter followers as an academic advisor at a at a uh, Big Ten basketball program. So I think that's exciting. But certainly wish her uh, and her husband all the best and thank her for what she did for IU and for the program and uh, and it'll be exciting to see who Archie brings in to to kind of fill those shoes, which are are big ones for sure. Yeah, uh, well said. Actually, I don't think it'll be Archie bringing someone in. I think that's an athletic department position. So that's actually hired outside of of the decision any decision that Archie would make I believe I'm sure he'll have some input on it though big time college basketball coach you think they get input on decisions like that maybe a little bit I think he has input on like who paints the floor I think he gets everything <laughs> maybe 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 we could get somebody from like Roy Williams or somebody from North Carolina to figure oh, out a good boy. academic person oh, boy. no not a good idea right. okay well and to my right speaking of North Carolina uh we have a man who I think disagrees with me regarding Grant Galon but who certainly is on record as saying he would like the Indiana basketball program to uh, follow North Carolina as a model uh, if you listen back to a recent episode of the assembly call he is a columnist for the big league.com and someone who is so excited about the NFL changing its celebration rules that he's literally doing the icky shuffle right now if you look closely you can see him doing it it's not a pleasant sight uh he is ryan phillips ryan what is your rant from the past week in iu basketball i make the icky shuffle sexy baby um yeah i think it's it's i mean obviously robert johnson coming back is 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 the biggest deal this week i think he fits what archie miller wants to do really well i thought that was big news but i think we all expected that so that wasn't really a huge development uh the grant galon news you know grant was a guy i was excited to see develop i watched him play some in high school i uh, got a hold of some tape a, a friend sent me and you know i really liked his game i know it wasn't a developed you know get on the floor early as a freshman game but i you know i think you need guys like him in the program guys who provide you know a shooting boost guys who uh just make smart basketball plays and and who sort of can help move things um i i think it's I don't know. I just think it's an interesting move that, that he's transferring out because I, th- I thought with the new coach coming in, he would have had a chance. I know it's a tough path for him behind other guards to get to get on the floor. But, you know, if he had followed the mold of a guy like Colin Hartman, I could see him getting on the floor. I mean, he was a very smart basketball player, uh, a phenomenal shooter and, and something that IU didn't really have on the roster uh, as, as a guy who could really fill it up from the outside. Um, I think in the modern college basketball game, you need some really good shooters and you need guys who, you know, can consistently drain long range shots. Uh, we've seen how valuable that is at Indiana with guys like Nick's ice loft with, uh, Jordan holes. Um, who else? Matt Roth, you know, guys who are specifically in that mold as three point shooters. And, uh, I think that, um, Indiana's going to have to find some guys who can do that because I don't know if they're there on that team next year. Uh, Robert Johnson's pretty good, but he's not that kind of 45% three-point shooter who can you know, get it from anywhere beyond the arc. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. There's an open scholarship, and I'm sure we'll talk tonight about, about what might happen there. Um, but certainly wish Grant all the best. He was nothing but a great uh, citizen at Indiana, and I, I – you know, was was actually really looking forward to seeing uh, if he could move into the rotation uh, next year with a uh, with a year in the strength program and everything. But we'll see how it turns out. Um, I'm sure it, it'll work out well for both parties. Yep, Jared. Jared, quickly uh, rank Grant Galon's eight points in two minutes in the thirty point loss at Michigan this year against the Jeremiah April turnaround jump shot in in terms of just you know flashes that we saw from a player who uh, who later faded away and out of the program. <laughs> 
I think you have to rate Jeremiah April above pretty much everything that we saw uh, during the Tom Crean era because he's not a, even because funny. he's a big this, man. This discussion <laughs> isn't even funny. It's not. It's not. It's not. I don't ask sorry. this question <laughs> ironically. This is a legitimate question. I, I just wanted to know. We're going off the rails early this week, folks. All right. So here's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to spend a little bit more time talking about Grant Galon's decision to transfer, and that will, of course, lead into a discussion of what Indiana should do now with its open scholarship spot. We spent so much time talking about whether Indiana would have too many. Uh, uh, people with scholarships promised to them. Now we're sitting with only 12, so we have an open one. Uh, we, of course, have your questions submitted via Twitter. A couple of really, really good ones this week that we're looking forward to getting to. And then in our final segment, we're going to talk about a few things probably, but you'll definitely mention one of the most encouraging pictures I've seen tweeted from an IU basketball Twitter account in a long time. We'll talk about that in segment number four. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, real quick, a quick word about this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Uh, Ryan and Andy informed me before we went live tonight that the NBA playoffs are, in fact, in full swing right now, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game. Uh, with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. Now, I don't anticipate looking for tickets to a Cavs-Warriors uh, finals game, but I certainly could if I wanted to, uh, just like I did when Yogi uh, was playing for the Mavericks this year and I went to a couple games, and I used SeatGeek geek to help me buy the tickets for those games and you can too whether it's for sports the nba playoffs concerts anything that you want to do this summer use SeatGeek because it's designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever uh and as i said SeatGeek has plenty of concert comedy and theater tickets available as well and best of all our listeners get 20 dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase so just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today that's promo code assembly a-s-s-e-m-b-l-y for 20 dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, and we were talking about the past week in IU basketball. The big news, of course, Grant Galon's uh, request for his unconditional release, and it was granted so he can transfer anywhere. Andy, you know, I talked about it in the banner moment. We've heard Ryan's thoughts on it. What are your thoughts on Grant Galon's decision to transfer? Is this one that is going to come back to haunt Indiana, do you think? I mean, are we going to be seeing a Stan Robinson-level NCAA tournament performance from him uh, at some point in the future? Uh, or is this one where, you know, kind of like I said, it's probably in the, in the, the best interest of both parties? I think it's probably in the best interest of both parties. I, from my perspective, I think... Uh, this year, especially with Robert Johnson coming back, just cause it's another, another body in the, in the backcourt, I think the path to playing time for him, uh, was, was going to be a challenge this year. And if it's that way in your second year in the program, like, do you really see it being that much better as you, as you move forward? You know, what's the, what's the ceiling at that point? Um, so I, I think it probably made sense for, for everybody involved and, you know, we'll obviously figure out what IU does with it. Certainly wish him the best. I think from a, a shooting standpoint, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who on this team really steps up as the, you know, kind of knockdown shooter from the outside. Uh, anybody who is on the roster has been, you know, streaky at, at best uh, from the outside in their in their careers, however long it may have been. So I think that's an area where maybe he could have helped. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know that it was um, I, I was certainly surprised, but it, when you really kind of put it in perspective of everything that's going on, it kind of makes sense. Uh, the one thing I will say, and kind of, you know, you, you use this as the banner moment. I think the way IU handled it and the way Archie Miller handled it was good. I mean, you can look at examples like what, you know, Kevin Stallings and Pitt are doing with, uh, you know, Cameron Johnson at there and really restricting his transfer and kind of looking like idiots in the process. I think, um, you know, Duke's being able to handle it, it this way. No, Ryan, that, that can't be. Um, but you know, I mean, these, these guys that put restrictions, they, they ultimately end up getting lifted in most cases. And in the meantime, uh, you know, everybody makes you out to be a, a complete jerk. And, um, so I think they, they've handled that part of it well and, and certainly wish him all the best. I think, uh, you know, at a, at a little bit lower level program, I think he can be a real asset to a team and, and certainly a guy, you know, you joke about San Robinson, but I think, you know, a lot of IU fans will, will continue to follow along with guys after they leave the program to see how they do. And I think he's certainly one people will, uh, will root for no matter where he ends up. Yep. 
No question about it. So Grant leaving obviously opens up the question now of what is Indiana going to do with that open scholarship. And so let's take our break now and let's get into that discussion next in our next segment because there are a lot of options, a lot of possibilities for what Archie Miller can do now that Grant Galon is going to transfer, and we will cover them all. That's next on the Assembly Call. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU Hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And gentlemen, we just spent some time talking about Grant Galon's decision to transfer. And now we have to figure out what Indiana is going to do with its open scholarship. So there are 12 scholarships promised for the 2017 season. There's an open one. And, you know, when I look at this, I see kind of four things that Indiana can do or could potentially do with the scholarship. So you could give it to a grad transfer who could play immediately, like we saw with a Max Bielfeldt and a Nick Zeisloft. Probably a big man, you would think, given the dearth of depth behind Deron Davis. So that's one option. You could go for a 2017 recruit, a guy who, you know, uh, might be around for three or four years. Nazia Carter is one name that has come up. He originally committed to Dayton. He's a three-star guy, played really well at the Nike EYBL uh, recently uh, and has some interest in Indiana it looks like but but you know mentioned that they kind of backed off since they didn't have scholarships to offer but that name you know you could start to see come around Um, and Andy he actually has something in common with you Uh, do you know what that is Uh, I have no idea he is Jay-Z's nephew so you guys have that in common I don't know if our listeners I do remember I I thought you were going to say he was the I yeah, thought you were going to say he was, a, he was a bracketologist who got beat, beat out by some high schoolers. Oh, man. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, wow. Ouch. Hey, it's the offseason. we gotta, we got to throw okay. some punches every once in a while. All right, so, so we've got those Make two options. Make a about the game tape in the, in the break, and then you just come back swinging. Yeah, see Brian does start. it on the air, though. So I, I, see I, how, I see how this is going to go. Um, okay, so you could also hold it. As you know, I fight dirty. This is you, know. you, you could hold it for the 2018 class, and as someone mentioned on Twitter, just give Romeo Langford two scholarships, which is an interesting recruiting tactic. Uh, or you could do something like give it to Zach McRoberts for a year. And I would think if you did that, you would probably do it with the understanding you know, that maybe it goes to a new recruit in 2018, but you know you, you give him uh, a scholarship for this year. So I kind of see those as the four possibilities. Um, Andy, do you see another option there? Uh, and if not, which of those options do you kind of side with that you would like to see Archie Miller go with? I think of the options, the one that feels least likely is the 2017 recruit. I, I just, to me, if, if you look at it, if you're going to fill it, with somebody who's not on the roster at the kind of non McRoberts option. I think you look for a big man. I, I did a little bit of digging today to see, are there any, you know, big men who have played at high major schools who would be eligible as grad transfers. I really only found three, um, that seem to fit the bill. One, a Koi, a gal, uh, from Georgetown, a post I saw recently, he didn't mention IU, um, but also until you know the last day or two, there really wasn't actually a, a place that he could have gone. So he played 15 minutes a game, averaged about four points, four rebounds. Um, not sure that it's realistic that he would, you know, IU would get in the mix with him. Dwight Colby from Kansas, I've seen thrown out. Uh, you know, he only played about five minutes a game. I seem to recall. I'll try to look this up while we're on here that he had uh, a really important performance in a game that it was just kind of out of nowhere uh, that he played well in a game. I believe toward the end of the season um, that really you know kind of mattered to their. Uh, to their hopes. And then the other one was Cameron Rooks. Uh, I believe the son of Sean Rooks, who used to play in the NBA. He played at Cal, played about 17 minutes a game. I think had some injury issues, but about five points a game, four rebounds a game. So um, recent news on him was he was visiting San Diego State. Again, I don't know how realistic it is to kind of get in late on these guys, but they're also some of them who are, I think, hanging out to see what kind of options might be out there. So in that regard, it's possible Colby seems to be looking more at like Stephen F. Austin and, you know, some mid-major schools. So maybe if IU comes calling to me, when you look at the roster, that's where the hole is. Um, so I, I don't think there's recruits out there that would come in as freshmen to fill that role. So if you're going to fill that spot, then so be it. Otherwise, I think he holds on to it. You know, Archie has talked about, um, you know, not loving have, having big classes and, and even a grad transfer to make it a six man senior class, which maybe is a reason that he'd want to stay away from it. Um, you know, one thing I do want to mention, because I, I think you're right that the most obvious place to go is a grad transfer big man if you can find one, because that helps you for this season, doesn't tie up a scholarship for the future. But those can be hit or miss. You know, for every Max Bielfeld, there's an Anthony Lee. And everybody remembers Anthony Lee from Temple who transferred. You know, Indiana was, you know, one of the finalists for him. And Ohio State ended up getting him. 
And he was basically a non-factor for Ohio State that year. That was a top 20 Ohio State team. He played like 16% of minutes and didn't really do much. And, you know, and, and he was, you know, he had done a lot at Temple. So it can, you know, sometimes you got to really make sure that you get the right fit, both from a, you know, what skills that guy brings. Is he a good fit in the locker room? And so you don't want to just go grab a guy just because you have this open scholarship because it could have unintended consequences. So, you know, you got to kind of think those things through and make sure that it's the right fit. Uh, Ryan, how, how do you view this? What do you think Archie Miller should do? Well, I think one of the issues you have to look at, and, and Andy sort of mentioned this, is that there's going to be five guys leaving next year, it looks like. I mean, that, that's how it's shaping up, assuming there's no injury in and in, in, in a sixth year for, or fifth or sixth year for somebody. Um, you got Hartman, Newkirk, Johnson, Freddie McSwain, and Tim Priller all on scholarship, all leaving next year. That's a huge incoming recruiting class if you fill all those spots. Again, you're adding another scholarship to that if you bring in a person, you know, another open scholarship. So that, that's going to be a huge recruiting class. And, you know, it's going to be Archie's first full one. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, uh, whether he can score the kind of program shifting recruiting class that I think most people will be hoping for and, and begging for. Um, but at the same time, filling all those spots is really hard. So I, I would think, you know, if you can get an impact non-senior transfer, um, I don't know who's out there. I haven't really checked because Indiana hasn't needed, hasn't looked like it needed or had an open spot. Um, you know, even if it's not a senior transfer, you might be able to dip into the transfer market for somebody that could really help you in the future. Uh, as far as the senior transfers, I agree. You got to go post. That is where this team has its holes. Um, if you're going to go, um, if you're going to go with uh, an incoming recruit, I think that's highly unlikely. Um, just looking at the way, I mean, I think that this this staff has just shut down over the last couple months the 2017 class and and is has turned its attention to 2018, 2019. Uh, but if you are going to try and do that, you've got to hit on somebody you know because again, that's going to be taking up a scholarship for four years, and you've got to hit on somebody you know. It can't be somebody you wouldn't have gone after otherwise. And Tom Crean made some mistakes with that uh, when he had unexpected departures. Is he hit? He brought in some guys that he probably wouldn't have normally gone with, but he had an opening, so he filled it. Um, so well. While it's always nice to be at capacity with your recruiting class, you can't force it. And so I would say um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and see how Archie thinks. We don't really know how he would operate in this scenario because um, we haven't seen him in this scenario before at Indiana. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, how he decides to uh, to move forward with this. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he left the scholarship open and tried to fill it in next year's class, uh, which looks pretty deep and it looks pretty solid. And it looks like they've got some guys uh, who could be interested in coming in. Um, I- I'm not sure next year's class is going to be to the level that everybody wants it to be because uh, some of the high level guys, They've just started to get in. I mean, this staff together has just gotten in on. uh, So I don't know how uh, they're going to have to make up a ton of ground there. Uh, But at the very least, uh, if they can get a bunch of solid players in and maybe, you know, set the tone for recruiting in the future, that would be enormous for the program. You're saying don't expect a reprisal of like the 1989 recruiting class, which included Calvert Chaney and Greg Graham, basically. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I am saying that I think people should temper their expectations a little bit. You know, when you hear that he went down and visited Romeo Lankford, people get really excited. It's like, well, yeah. But he also just started recruiting Romeo Langford and these other top level coaches have been recruiting for three years. You know, I mean, there's there's a level of comfort the family has with these other programs. And now these are Indiana's coaches are starting. So I wouldn't they're just starting over. So I wouldn't judge him on this recruiting class, though it will be very important. You know, this is a process and this is a process that is going to develop over years, not months. Yeah. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are discussing what Indiana can and should do with its open scholarship. You know, and uh, it's interesting. You know, I think that the light, that the possibility of bringing in a four-year recruit, I think it's, it's greater than maybe you guys are saying for the simple fact that Nazia Carter, out of New York, was committed to Dayton, asked for his release from Dayton after Archie Miller left. So he's a guy that the staff is really familiar with. Now, he's not, you know, a McDonald's All-American. He's, I think, currently a three-star guy. Uh, so he's not like a knock-your-socks-off level recruit, but he's also not... 
you know, Tim Priller, where, you know, Incarnate Word is the only other school recruiting him. I mean, he's got, you know, Georgetown and Boston College and some other high major programs interested in him. And I, uh, I got a hold of some tape, actually, uh, of Nazia Carter. <laughs> And now it was only a highlight tape. So, of course, you know, you can't see much from that. But the guy, he, he's, he's clearly a Big Ten level athlete. You know, he can finish at the rim. He's got kind of some moxie about him, some enthusiasm about his game. Uh, shot, kind of a hitch in a shot, looks a little like Troy Williams uh, in that regard. So I don't know if he's a Big Ten level player, but I think Archie Miller knows him well enough that he can probably make that determination. So I think he's a really interesting case for a 2017 recruit to possibly use the scholarship, you know, if there's not, a, a, you know, a big man out there who is is going to be worthwhile. And to me, if none of those options come through, then there's really no downside to giving Zach McRoberts a scholarship for one year, uh, assuming, again, that you, you know, kind of pull it back for next year. Maybe that you've got that understanding. And I don't know what the logistics of that are. Uh, but that's kind of how I see it. I think, again, I don't know anything about, you know, Nazia Carter's recruitment and, and anything like that and how serious it is. But that seems like a reasonable option if Archie Miller thinks he's a Big Ten level player. Again, he recruited him to Dayton, so we don't know that. Um, but he's at least got the requisite athletic ability to do it. Uh, any any additional thoughts on this, Andy? Yeah, I just, I mean, to me, it sounds like, and again, I, I haven't really watched or or seen too much about him. But as you describe him, it feels like a guy that there are other guys on the roster. It's somewhat similar. Um, so even if you wanted to save it, I, I guess I, I guess I lean more toward, um, you know, I could see him giving it to McRoberts and maybe even doing that and carrying the open scholarship. I mean, he talked about that. I forget what, what interview it was, but there was one either not long before he got hired that was, you know, with somebody else or, or after he got hired, people were kind of asking about his, you know, roster philosophies. And he talked about, you know, wanting to be able, um, to have those, those, that flexibility at times that is not allotted to you when you have, um, you know, everybody, you know, every scholarship filled up. And so I certainly could see that. And even he might carry it over another year so as not to get a, you know, six person class coming in. Um, because, you know, again, I think he's, he's talked about wanting to do that. And I think Ryan bringing up, you know, a non-grad transfer would be an interesting one where you kind of balance out some of these classes. I mean, there's only one junior on the roster, uh, in, in terms of, of Juwan Morgan. So, you know, is there some ability to, to bring somebody in like that? I, I, you know, he seemed to like the flexibility of it. So just makes me wonder, would you bring in another guy who, who has a game similar to other guys that you already have, um, that, that may or may not really be able to play at the level that we're talking about. So, um, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he didn't use it and gave it to McRoberts, which I think would be, uh, you know, a fine thing to do. I, I don't get the impression he's going to play nearly as many guys as Crean has over the course of time. So, you know, to really be able to, to feel like you have to have all those filled up with guys who are going to come in and contribute just doesn't feel like philosophy wise he's in the in the same place as what we've you know grown accustomed to over the last handful of years. Ryan, you have any final thoughts on this before we hop into our Twitter Q? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I, I agree with what Andy said. Shockingly, uh, no, I I think that uh, no, I think he's right. I think that you don't have to force it here, and, and if you're going to get somebody, get somebody who you know, gives you something different and adds something to the mix because you've already got freshmen who can do the athletic wing thing. That's what Justin Smith is, you know, and, and I get that, that Carter might be, uh, you know, a guy who could be willing to come in and, and knows this, uh, knows Archie from, from his past gig. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, uh, you don't want to force it. You want to make the right call for the program, not the right call for one year or maybe two years. Very good point. All righty. Uh, well, we will see what Indiana chooses to do with that open scholarship. Certainly, it feels like a better position to be in having an open scholarship to do something with as opposed to having 14 or 15 given out and then having to, uh, to pair back from there. So that is certainly... A good thing. Uh, and coming up, it's time for our Twitter Q&A. You guys sent in some great questions, a couple in particular, and we are very excited to answer them. And we will do that next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Remember to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership to the Assembly Call. You will get our weekly Six Banner Saturday news roundups delivered right to your inbox every Saturday morning so that you can stay up to date with your Hoosiers during the offseason and even once the season begins. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms, as well as Ryan Phillips. 
Remember, you can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every week right here for Assembly Call Radio. All right, well, it is that time on the show every week when we go to Twitter and get your questions that you sent in and answer them. And our first question comes from Jeff. And Jeff's question is, looking at this team, talking about the upcoming season, 2017-18, what is the one thing that keeps you up at night that worries you the most? Ryan, this seems like a pretty easy answer. Yeah, it's post-depth. For sure. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, behind Deron Davis, it's a very thin uh, you know, roster in the post. I think that you've got uh, you got to consider that, that Jawan Morgan's going to have to play down there a little more than I think anybody's comfortable with um, because I think he's a better wing defender than he is a post defender. He can certainly do, do work down there. But it's not his, you know, that's not his go-to. Um, and then I think you're going to have Zach McRoberts will be forced into into defending in the, on the block a little. Colin Hartman will, and so will Freddie McSwain. And and so that's that's really your rotation in the post. And, um, you know, we'll see how it works out. I, I think that, um, I, well, yeah, Jared put in the, t- in the in the chat. How about Tim Priller? Well, I guess so. I mean, I mean he showed throw, something. You're going to have to throw fouls out there. You know, and so I, I, you know, if you're going to be on the team, you might as well try and use him. Um, so I, that that's that's my biggest worry, and I just think that with how we saw Duran get into foul trouble this year a bit, uh, that is really concerning because if he's out, uh, he's great. We love him. I think he's a great player, and I think he's going to be even much much better next year with a full season, you know, full off season ready to go. Uh, it, I, but yeah, that is the the thing that keeps me up at night is is post depth, and that's why we were talking in the opening segment about or the last segment about possibly filling it with uh you know even a stopgap grad transfer could give you um at least five more fouls and and, and maybe some more rebounding when when he's on the bench uh, because other than that I think this team's going to struggle down there and and that's a place you cannot struggle in the Big Ten if you if you want to turn in wins consistently yeah and and that's why the thing that keeps me up at night is Juwan Morgan's health I mean. He's a guy who I think has flashed the kind of potential that you look at him and you think this guy is an upperclassman, can be an all Big Ten level player if he can just stay healthy. You know, we've seen the chronic shoulder injury and then the freak injury, like the, you know, falling on the rest foot in the Rutgers game. And I think the fact that he's going to have to go down low and bang a little bit more, especially if he slides down to the five spot, you know, in games when Deron Davis is maybe in foul trouble or if, you know, even if he's not ready to play, you know, 24, 25 minutes, which hopefully he will be. Uh, but I think that that pounding that Juwan will probably have to take, I think it's going to be an entire season of just holding our breath every time he hits the deck. And that's kind of what it's been for his first couple of years. And I think it'll be that again, because if he stays healthy, I think he's the glue that holds this team together on offense and defense. I think he may well be the team's best uh, two-way player, but we've just got to keep him on the court. I think it's absolutely imperative. So that's that keeps me up at night. Uh, Andy, besides those two, what keeps you up at night? Anything in the backcourt? Yeah, I mean that—that's what I would say. There's probably two things. I'll just—I'll kind of sum it up by saying roles in the backcourt and, and how that shakes out. I mean, obviously, point guard was an issue that plagued this team all of last season with really trying to figure out who the point guard was, who was best suited to run the team, and even you know this year we we've talked about whether that's Newkirk, whether that's uh, whether that's Devonte Green, who really steps in and seizes control of that role. And then the other one we've also touched on is, is really, you know, who's the who's the go to scorer when you really need to get a bucket that that typically uh, is a is a backcourt guy and, and kind of has been uh, in the Korean era, I would say. And so, you know, does Robert Johnson, is he able to assume that role? He seems like the most likely uh, guy to go and do that. But, you know, that that's definitely a different role for him, albeit a potentially more defined one than than what we saw last year. So. I think I think those things sorting themselves out in the backcourt will be really important, and and I guess outside of anything that you guys mentioned, I think the the backcourt one is is one to me that it, it's not that there aren't pieces there; it's how they start to fit together within the new system, uh, and who really you know takes control of the different uh, the different roles and different aspects of the backcourt. Yeah. All right, uh, excellent question, Jeff. Thanks for sending that in. Now we go on to Mike's question, and this is an interesting one. So Mike says, what player for the Tom Crean era would best describe what type of player and team style of play we should expect in the Archie era? 
obviously, you know, Tom Crean, Archie Miller, they have different styles of play. But what player uh, from recent IU history would be the kind of guy that, you know, an Archie Miller team would be built around? And obviously you've got, you know, a lot of supremely talented players who have played for Tom Crean who could certainly play for Archie Miller as well. Uh, but Andy, I'll go uh, to you with this one first. Is there kind of a prototype uh, that you see a, a player in particular that would have really fit especially well with Archie Miller? Uh, I mean, there's a few guys that as I kind of looked over Crean's roster, so I'll throw out three. I think a couple maybe a little bit more obscure. One we've already mentioned on the show would be Stan Robinson. Um, I think the kind of slashing and, and certainly the defensive component of what he was able to provide, uh, even while he was at IU, I think would be uh, a good fit. But also just the way he kind of grew as we saw him play in the, in the tournament at, at uh, Rhode Island last year. You know, more of an a, attacking once he figured out what hand he was going to shoot with. Um you know, more of an attacking style. So I think he would be a good one. I think for some of similar reasons, like Remy Abel would be maybe an under-the-radar one, but again, a guy who could really pressure the ball. Uh, when you start thinking about, you know, key things that we know about the pack line defense, being able to pressure the ball, I think Abel was a, a decent defender. And I, and I think Will Sheehy might be another one is just kind of a, you know, tough guy who's, you know, can defend multiple positions, uh, not afraid to mix it up and, and kind of the physicality uh from that perspective. So those would be three, you know, certainly not any of the stars that have really been there of the teams. Um, but at least three guys that I kind of scroll through the roster. Uh, obviously Tijon, I think is, is also a good choice because there's no style that he couldn't thrive in. Uh, so I'd be uh, remiss not to mention him as well. Ryan, who jumps out for you? Well, Tijon, of course, I think that's, that's obvious. No, uh, I think it's, um, I would say a guy like a Victor Oladipo. Uh, I mean, I know that he's the star and he went and, you know, was the number two pick in the draft and all that, but it's that defense first and then develop the offense style. I think that, you know, could work for a few guys and and Andy mentioned some of them. Um, But I think that, that what's, uh, what Victor brought uh, from an intensity standpoint, from a personality standpoint, and and from you know the incredible athleticism that allowed him to be a defender first, and then slowly develop that offensive game. Uh, he he really is the kind of guy I think would be sort of the dream Archie Miller guard. Um, I do agree, a guy like Remy Abel would fit too. Uh, you know, a defense first guy who who developed a little bit of offense. Um, Fortunately, didn't finish up at, at, at Indiana, which was a shame. But uh, then also, you know, you got to look at I think Yogi Ferrell is another guy and not because, you know, if Yogi Ferrell had not been a five star, you know, because of his size or whatever, if he hadn't been this highly valued guy, he he could have fit in at a place like Dayton. You know, he's a small plucky guard who defended really well uh, uh was a great distributor and then developed an outside shot and developed a scoring touch now the thing about yogi was he got on the radar when he was you know like 10 years old uh national radar so he was always going to be a highly recruited guy had he had that not happened who knows where he would have wound up uh you know as like a, a low four star or something like that i mean th- there's a potential for that to happen uh and for him to go to someplace like a mid-major and then explode as a you know as a big time player uh, a college basketball player um, so I, I think that he or Victor would be the two models that I would use, I think for what Archie would love to have is, is guys who do it on both ends of the court and, and maybe who, uh, at least start out focusing on that defensive end a little bit more. Yep. Ryan really sticking his neck out with the answers to these questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the two best players issues, of, of Kareem post-step there. and uh, two guys playing the NBA. All right. Hey, you think these two guys who are playing the NBA right now could, could, thrive on a on a roster that i made program question i probably could answer also the yeah. two names i had written on the notes that i was going to say but that's that you that you sent out that ryan probably okay. probably just lifted <laughs> from that it's okay uh you're listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms and ryan phillips answering the questions that you sent in via twitter here's another interesting one this comes from eric uh, and Ryan, you you know kind of addressed this a little bit earlier. Do you think Freddie McSwain is capable of playing valuable minutes as a backup big man? You know, and I will say right now, I think the answer is yes. I mean, I know that that people have their questions about Freddie, uh, and he's very limited from an offensive standpoint. You know, he fouls a little bit too much, and he turns the ball over a little bit too much. But his offensive rebounding rate is unbelievable, and he adds a lot of value in possessions that he can save for you. Uh, He's definitely a guy who plays hard and gives you effort every minute he's on the court and gives you a lot of energy. And I think those are things that can really help you, you know, with a bench guy. That can be very valuable for a guy who's going to play in two, three-minute spurts. I think he can give you that. 
Uh, and I think he's a guy that because of his athletic ability and how well he can jump can play taller than his size. Now, does he understand positioning and that kind of thing? I mean, I think he could pretty fairly well get abused down in the post by a smart postman. But there are some things he can do just with his activity and athletic ability. And what I really liked in terms of his development, the development of his game as the season went along, is we saw toward the middle part of the year when he started playing more, you know, he would kind of be working the baselines. And, you know, when a guy would be driving in, he would make a basket cut. And a lot of times he'd be open and get a great pass and he'd fumble it away or not be able to catch it. And a great scoring opportunity would go by the wayside. As the season went along, he got much better at catching and finishing those. And if he can do that, he's a guy who can get you four or six points and four or five rebounds in a, you know, in, in four or five minutes of play and we actually saw that from him a couple of times so he's not a guy that you want playing extended minutes but in short bursts I do think that he can be a valuable guy for this team um, and I think we're going to see him have to play just out of necessity because of how of how the roster is constructed Ryan what are your hopes for Freddie McSwain here in his senior year well I think he's getting you know you can say can he do this I think he's going to have to you know, can he be a valuable back? Well, I mean, there's no Indiana doesn't have a choice. He has to be, um, at least not right now, as as things shape up. Um, I, you know, I, he's just going to have to be a battler and a fighter down there. You know, he doesn't have the size. Um, he does have some some really nice athletic ability to maybe be a a pretty solid defender. But he's just going to have to fight. I mean, he that's, he is not going to have easy minutes on the court. You know, he's going to have to fight for everything he gets, and and he's going to have to be an energizer bunny down there. Really, if he's gonna if he's gonna make an impact. But you know, and talking about guys that Tom Crean, you know, from the Tom Crean era that are Archie Miller kind of guys, isn't Freddie McSwain kind of that guy, Andy? I mean, kind of an undersized. guy guy a really good athlete a scrappy guy a hustler aren't those the kind of guys Archie's been winning you know Atlantic 10 titles with yeah I think it's it's interesting I was looking at the game log for McSwain so over his last 10 games I'm gonna you know average roughly 10 minutes a game maybe a little bit less maybe eight or nine and he scored at least four points in eight of those 10 games and grabbed at least three rebounds in seven of those 10 so you know when you look at it that way he did as you said really become uh, a little bit more stable as he went through. Now, there were a couple games we had a bunch of turnovers in that stretch, but, um, you know, I think he he started to settle into a role, and I think that's the one thing where, where Miller will be able to help him a little bit. Even if he does end up being the backup center, I think it'll be very clear that that's his role and, and how he wants him to play defensively. Certainly from an athleticism standpoint, I think he, he can overcome some of his, uh, you know, challenges in the post from a height perspective by by doing some of those things, and he's a strong enough guy where, you know, hopefully he can push guys out. So I think he is a guy who, uh, out of necessity, if nothing else, is going to end up playing those minutes. I think we saw last year in in you know limited enough minutes that you know he can, uh, you know he can provide some things. And and I think you know just activity level is going to be really important on the defensive end. I think that's something that he should be able to bring. But by the way, I think something has has become quite clear here toward the end of last season, now into the off season. By default, I, I'm probably the president of the Freddie McSwain fan club because I may be as optimistic yeah, about him as anybody. And I'm, I'm happy to do that. I love Freddie. I love the energy and the attitude that he brings to the team. So I am happy to lead that charge. All right, if you're gonna if you're gonna put yourself out there, go ahead. But you know there is a lot of responsibility being the head of a fan club. I'm just yeah, ask Andy about it. As we've learned, I know it is, it is a big responsibility. Yeah. That's fine. Ryan's probably going to be the oh who's the, let's see if if Deron Davis might be the best player on the team this year, then Ryan's definitely going to be head of that fan club based on his answers to these questions so far. Uh, pretty hey, sure I'm the head of that fan club. Hey, you guys, club. I'm the head of the LeBron James fan club. Have you guys heard? I discovered him, and he's really good at sports. So yeah, keep it up, Bottoms. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Ryan, you had some final thoughts on Freddie McSwain, I believe. Yeah, I just think that he's uh, it's going to be on Freddie to however good he's going to be. It's, it, I mean, it's really going to be up to him this offseason. You know, I mean, how much he develops. You mentioned, you know, some of the turnovers and, and you know, not catching passes last year that seemed pretty easily and, you know, uh, fouling too much and all that. And and so it's going to be on him to figure out how good he wants to be and, and where he wants to take his game. And so, uh, you know, this offseason is going to be very important for him. It's his last offseason in college basketball, too. It seems like he just got here. But as a as a J.C. transfer, that's what it is. And um, so I, I think that he's going to have to to figure out a way to uh, to get better in all aspects and become a more you know reliable member of the team uh so our final twitter question this was asked by multiple different people in multiple different ways uh, but andy it was announced this week that indiana will be facing seton hall in the gavit games i think that's going to be sometime in mid-november um seton hall pretty good team i mean they're they're a team that has obviously played well the last couple of years they got some guys coming back that's going to be a road game 
that is not going to be uh, an easy game for for this Indiana team, is it? At Seton Hall. Uh, no, they they've got they had a couple guys uh, that, that thought about going pro. The the biggest of which was uh, Angel Delgado. So I think that'll be important. He he was a guy who was racking up double doubles last year at roughly the same rate, if not if not better than Caleb Swanigan. Um, you know, he averaged 15 points, 13 rebounds a year ago. They're going to have uh, four seniors uh, that are going to lead the way for them. So Kadeen Carrington, really good. Desi Rodriguez averaged at least both those guys averaged at least 15 points a game. Um, and, and so. Definitely going to be an experienced team uh, that played well down the stretch. You know, nearly beat Villanova in the Big East tournament toward the end of last season, uh, and and so it will definitely be a big road test. It'll be an early test for Duran uh, with having to guard, uh, you know, Delgado as I mentioned, and and I think what should be a really good game, but the, it'll certainly give us a, a good early read on what IU is going to look like in the beginning of the season. So I think the kind of challenging road game that, that hopefully will help us learn a lot about it. I know we, we hearken back to that NC state game so many times uh, from a few years ago, but I think it's um, you know, good, good to have those kinds of tests against a major conference team. We'll see what they've got and and see how much they can improve uh, once we go from there. And probably important to not overreact to that game either way, considering how early it is in Archie Miller's tenure and, you know, given how good Seton hall is, I mean, it's a, it's an important early season measuring stick, but the, you know, the legacy of the 2017-18 team won't be written on that night, obviously. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. All righty. Uh, so here we go. Coming up in our final segment, there was a tweet sent out by Indiana's new strength coach that I loved. We're going to talk about it and talk about why, plus anything else that's on Andy and Ryan's mind in our final segment. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio. And so, guys, I don't know if you caught this tweet, uh, but Cliff Marshall, Indiana's new strength and conditioning coach, you can follow him on Twitter, at Cliff Marshall, uh, with one F in Cliff. But he sent out a tweet, uh, and it says, You can't out-train a bad diet. Teaching Deron Davis and Curtis Jones how to grocery shop tonight. And it's got pictures of, there's a picture of Deron Davis, like, picking out a little thing of pre-cut fruit. And then you got uh, Curtis Jones getting some apples. And I just, I loved this picture because I feel like these are the kinds of life skills that we should actually learn in school, that I don't feel like enough emphasis is actually placed on like we learn all the book stuff but there isn't actually enough emphasis placed on the kind of stuff that we actually do in our real lives that make a huge difference from now in, until we're 70 80 years old and there are a few things that are important as our diet and what we're eating and i think you know the fact that this you know relationship with the players and the kind of coaching that they're getting and i'm, I'm sure this happens at lots of schools but it was just cool to see that picture and see that kind of real world training uh, for the guys, because I think that's important. You know, look, you got to know how to grocery shop. You got to know how to get the right food. And I love the thought you can't out train uh, a bad diet. Um, you know, we'll see if the, uh, if the team's conditioning and strength and conditioning improves under the new coach. But I certainly love the direction of teaching these guys legitimate, useful life skills like that. So that in addition to the basketball and everything else they get, they get that kind of stuff that they can really take with them. So I don't know if you yeah. read as much into it as I did, but I loved seeing that. No, I agree. It's, I, I feel the same way. I mean, because they, they are right about training and nutrition and all that stuff. Food is fuel for those guys. Um, and, and you're seeing more of an emphasis in that in college sports in general. Uh, but I use specifically with the new IU Athletics uh, Excellence Academy that's going to be in the uh, enclosed uh, end of the football stadium. Uh, they're going to have uh, a nutrition center, the Tobias Nutrition Center. And it's going to be, you know, a place where the athletes can go and get, you know, healthy stuff to eat and, and get, I'm sure schooled on what they should be eating and what they shouldn't be eating. And, and what coach Marshall was doing was, was a great idea and, and give those guys something, you know, to set them on the right path. And you're right. It's not just for basketball. It's, it's, it's a life skill uh, that too few people get. I agree with that. You notice they weren't picking out cereal or tacos while they were shopping. Well, it probably wasn't Tuesday. So, or Thursday. (laughs) So you can't pick out tacos on those days. Come on. Plus, yes. where are you going to get a taco in Indiana that's any good? <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. Okay. <laughs> uh, Andy, your thoughts on that tweet or anything else from the past week? No, I thought it was I thought it was interesting as well, and I think it's it's good to get a glimpse into those kinds of things and how they're doing that. I mean, ultimately, you know, for as much as everybody debates about what the scholarships are for and what these athletes are getting. 
Um, you know, ultimately in this scenario, everybody would argue you're trying to prepare them for, for real life. And I think, um, you know, this is just another kind of interesting way, at least to publicize that they're doing that. So definitely don't say anything wrong with it. These are things that I could probably use help with even to this day as a, as a 38 I mean. year old man. So like we should have been, th- these, these are really the kind of skills that we should have learned in school. I mean, that's as useful as anything else that we could have learned, you know? And I feel like we don't teach our young people enough, these life skills when they're in of school. Yeah, when I was in college, I'm eating Tatino's pizza and and uh, and pop tarts all the time. And look at me, look at me now. Yeah, See, just trying to Ben and Jerry's ice cream, which I would always get little the little mm-hmm. you know tubs of it, the pints of it, which was not a good thing to do. By the way, I was reading an article, uh, or I don't know how I stumbled upon this article, but it was about Dwight Howard and how when he was with the Los Angeles Lakers, his diet basically consisted of the equivalent of eating like twenty four candy bars a day, the amount of sugar that he took in. Because he just loved candy, and they actually like put him on a better diet and reduced his sugar intake, and you could see like a spike in his production because it was affecting him that badly. So I mean, a lot of guys don't you know grow up or come to school or even in their professional lives knowing how to do this kind of stuff, how to eat right, how to pick the right food. So I think it's a great thing uh, for Indiana to be doing. Right? Yeah, any, any, any final hot takes here in our final thirty seconds? I, well, I know you're dying to say something about Dwight Howard. Or something else about food in that, Indiana. That, that is an entire, an entire. Yeah, you want to insult anybody of, else before we go off the air? There's an entire episode of Dwight Dwight Howard the hot takes I could have for you eventually, Jared. We don't have 15 seconds. We and you can't do that in 15 seconds. <laughs> no, no, we certainly cannot. Uh, we cannot. But hey, that is uh, that wraps up our show for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Uh, and if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our assembly call recording, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free assembly call membership. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to support the show, please share The Assembly Call with a friend or family member who loves IU basketball like you do. You can also visit assemblycall.com support to learn a few ways you can help, from donating to grabbing official Assembly Call gear to buying IU merchandise that you'd buy anyway but using our special affiliate links, which get us a commission. We rely on the support of audience members like you to keep the assembly call alive and growing. Once again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash support. Thank you, and as always, go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.